This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We're uh, we're sitting here on a Friday afternoon after one of the most hectic uh, publication schedules that we've had in a really long time. But that means that there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out for people to check out. So uh, we just put two magazines to bed, uh, Mm -hmm. one of which is the Winter Door County Living Magazine, and one of which is a brand new publication that we're working on called the 8142 Review, which is kind of our literary publication. It's going to house the How Prize in it. Uh, I know people are excited to see the results to the How Prize. Well, they'll be able to see those soon when the 8142 Review comes out. What are the release dates for those two magazines, Miles? Hell if I know. Oh, you just, you get them out the door and then whenever <laughs> they show up, they show up. Yeah, well, and to some degree it is like in this industry, you, you do all this work to get it out. And then once it, once you get it out, you move on to the next thing. So you kind of forget about the next phase of it, but no, those should both be out before Thanksgiving. So the magazine will hit uh, newsstands in those days leading up to Thanksgiving. And then the 8142 review will be available on black friday it's a new format like you said for that issue we've always published the winners of the hal prize in a special edition of the newspaper every year and we've been working toward this goal for a couple of years and covid put it on the back burner but now we're publishing the our literary prize and our photography prize in a special kind of small form magazine more like uh some of the zines or chapbooks not the right word for it but just a different style to highlight that more and then we'll republish those winners at different points throughout the year in the pulse. So we'll give the the writers a lot more exposure and hopefully kind of up the impression and the respectability of the contest and kind of elevate it to a new level. Yeah, I mean, being published in the pulse is one thing, but being published in a magazine, like with all of the other writing is super cool. Like it, you have a glossy to hand to people and be like, hey, check it out. My writing is in this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it lasts a lot longer than a newspaper too. And it's, it's more substantial. And I will also say it looks really cool. Like this is a yeah. very striking publication. I'm really excited for people to see it. Yeah. Ryan Miller did a fantastic job putting this together. Grace Johnson has led this effort for a couple of years. And, you know, it's one of those things where COVID really put a wrench in things for us is because we were really excited to do this last year. And then COVID hits and you're looking at the, your revenue and advertising streams and going, can we afford to do like it just put a pause on it all. So this was really something we wanted to launch last year. Nice to get it finally out the door and and really have a great thing to show for it. Yeah, I will say one thing about the the magazine. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to pick it up and read through it and be surprised by some stuff. Uh, but Brett Cosmiter has a photo spread in it of ice from above, and it is incredible. Like his yeah. aerial stuff has transformed so much over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and now he's doing this fine art aerial photography, yeah. and it is unlike any other aerial stuff that I've ever seen. It's very geometric, and it it, it almost looks like paintings in a way. Because he's capturing these angles, like capturing something from above is cool, if not maybe novel at this point, because everybody's been able to do it for years. But capturing 
them from the angles and in the ways that Brett does is just it, the stuff is striking. It's it's really cool. Every single one of them would make an incredible print to put on your wall. And the the dedication that Brett has to get up right at dawn, mm-hmm. get the drone in the air, and capture these really really cool images is like it, it's spectacular. And being able to see them all in the magazine like this is super cool. Well, and his his persistence in getting that drone in the air because we've lost a drone to the ice before, <laughs> but he keeps going back at it and. Like you said, like at some of those freezing cold mornings, a lot of photographers will tell you like, well, it's the worst day to be out there, but it's the best day to be out there to get the the photograph. And we both know from working with Brett for many years now, he's a perfectionist and he wants to get exactly the right photo at the exact right place. And he's very particular about what he does in a different life. He would have been a a great photojournalist too, because Brett's a a researcher too. So when he goes and takes a picture of ice, he's going to go back and dig into like, why is ice forming this way? And he really wants to know what he's doing versus just somebody who maybe is going out to get a photo to complement a story. So he actually adds to the journalistic process for us. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing that you said about losing drones to the ice, you kind of have to budget for a new drone every year, even if you don't destroy <laughs> I'd rather the drone. not. But <laughs> well, I mean, even if you don't destroy it, it's like you, you got to push how cool the photos are going to be. I mean, you can put a drone up in the, the safest conditions possible, but those are rarely going to give you the most amazing shots. So yeah. you, you got to step outside your comfort zone, yep. even if you got to push it a little bit, even if it costs us money. <laughs> So why don't we shift gears a little bit? Uh, We've got, like I said, those two publications will be coming out uh, later in the month, and I'm excited for people to check them out. But uh, what's happening right now, Miles? What's going on uh, indoor county right now? Well, literally yesterday, um, a lot of people were really excited because the SS Badger, the car ferry that goes between Manitowoc and Ludington across Lake Michigan, it rolled into Sturgeon Bay to get some work done. So it's in dry dock at Fincantieri Bay Shipbuilding. And they, you know, yesterday was, there's a lot of great images out there. And some of the most engagement we've seen on our Facebook page in a while was just the image of the badger coming through the bridges in Sturgeon Bay. And it's just such a big ship. It's pretty striking. And it was actually built and originally launched out of Sturgeon Bay as well. So we have some photos of it actually in the shipyard back in the, I believe in the 1950s. So it's kind of cool to see it come home for the first time. It comes home, I think, every five years it goes to dry dock. Going to get a new paint job, do its kind of regulated uh, inspections that it has to go through. So if you are around Sturgeon Bay that you, and you're wondering what that huge ship is, that's the SS Badger. Yeah, we were talking about dedication with Brett, and ship people are the exact same way. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they track the ships, they know exactly where they are in the water, when they're coming in, and they show up to see them come in. Maybe not quite the event that it was, you know, in olden times when folks would, <laughs> you know, don their Sunday best and go wave at the ships as they yeah. left, but it's similar. It's What's a modern. Is it boatnerd.com? Is that what it's called? I think, I think so, that, yeah. yeah. Um, where you can track the ships as they're yeah. coming in and out. I've used that before. I like the honesty in that of like boat nerd. Like yep. this is what we are. Yeah, I I've used it before, but the other part of it too is like it, it's not as regimented as you might think. There's plenty of things that can go wrong. I remember one sure. time I was trying to capture one of the ships leaving from the Winter Fleet, and I got there 7 a.m. in the morning, and I left at sunset when it had finally left. Because things just take longer than you think they're going to take. Tugboat takes a while to get in place in the right spot or the ice is holding something up in the wrong spot. Yep. And I saw people there when I got there at 730 who were there at sunset when I left. So, (laughs) you know, I was doing it for my job. They were doing it because they love boats. 
I got a chance to go through the shipyard a couple of years ago and been here all my life, but I'd never been in there. And they keep it secure for good reason. And I know Brett's gotten a chance to go up on the gantry crane to get video before. Mike Gallagher was in town, so they, they let the media walk around with him around the, the yard. And it is, it's just pretty stunning how big those ships are, how big that operation is. And, and to be up close to it when you're really out there on the yard, it's just stunning. And also when they're moving the huge steel plates that from a distance, you're like, oh, it's a piece of metal. And then you're watching it go overhead from a distance and you're like, that is, that's like a 10 ton piece of metal that would <laughs> just destroy all of us if it fell. So you understand why they have the safety um, rules that they do. But a lot of news coming out of Fincantieri lately. They launched the Mark W. Barker just uh, last week. So the first big Laker to be launched on the Great Lakes in 40 years. And then they announced uh, earlier this week that they have another ship smaller than the Barker. I think it's around 300 feet long that they'll be building soon. And then they announced this morning that their base ship CEO, Todd Faze, is retiring. And we were Kind of knew that announcement was coming for a while, so they're going to have a, a leadership change there at Fincantieri. So a lot of things happening there. Yeah, I uh, I think it's cool. I know that the maritime industry down in Sturgeon Bay isn't what it used to be in some respects. There's a lot less people making ships and doing that kind of thing than there were when you go back 50 years. Yeah, Bay Ship is kind of the last one standing. Right. So it is cool to see them building ships again, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they do the Winter Fleet and they do a bunch of other stuff, but to see them actually building ships here in Sturgeon Bay kind of puts us back on the map the way that we were in the 50s. To see people investing again in their fleet, and I don't know if this is a cyclical thing, if this is maybe the start of a wave of new ships, maybe some of the ships that were built 40, 50 years ago are aging out. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I know about 10, 12 years ago when the recession was hitting, I went down and spent some time with then-CEO Pat O'Hearn, and... You know, that was at the kind of a trough of the industry of when the economy was struggling there. You know, they had the winter fleet, but nobody was investing. Nobody was building anything. Nobody was doing any of the retrofitting at that time because everything was so uncertain with the economy. It it felt like dark days at Bayship. So to think of the turnaround that's happening now, it's it's good news for Door County and for and the economy in general. Yeah. I wonder how many different vessels actually go through Bayship in a given year. Because when we were talking about like boat enthusiasts, there's a, a TikToker who I really enjoy. I think his name is Francis, who's a train enthusiast. Maybe you've seen him popping up <laughs> in the headlines. No. Uh, he, he lives in Europe and he goes to, you know, the railroads. And when trains come in, he like videos them coming in and gets really, really excited about it and knows everything about the trains and tells you their story as they're passing by. But my favorite thing about him is he's got a GoPro stuck on his head facing him not facing out, facing him. His, his reaction to the train? Yeah, but it's this like incredibly <laughs> wide fish angle like shot of just his eyes like bugging out and being like, oh, and like really excited to see the train come in. So I'm wondering if there's an opportunity for people to really nerd out about a number of different ships coming through. I just don't know how many they have. I want to say the Winter Fleet is somewhere between like 15 and 20, but that doesn't necessarily constitute everything that's coming and going because right. there might be smaller vessels. And are they the vessels. same every year? Uh, I think a lot of them are the same because I just off the top of my head, anecdotally, I am not the boat nerd. So please forgive me. Any listeners out here who know this stuff and, and live and die by it. Like I'm not trying to we know be an that expert. You're <laughs> yes. But yeah, there are some that, that definitely come every year because I, I just remember seeing the names every, every winter and people getting excited on Facebook of, oh, here it comes. You know, people look at them. There are people who think of them sort of like old friends, which is kind of a neat thing. Yeah. One other thing about the badger people were posting pictures of the badger from the 50s and there was a really cool aerial shot kind of showing the whole shipyard and i love that the facebook commenters zeroed in on how bad at parking everybody was 
Did you notice that? <laughs> no. People posted cropped images of just people parking and just like no rhyme or reason to the parking in Sturgeon Bay at all. Just wherever you could shove a car to the point where if you were first in, you had to be last out because you were totally boxed in. Well, maybe we'll post this again. I know we're working on an article about this, but we did one a then and now photo of the what was in the Christie Corporation shipyard and now is Bay Ship in the magazine a couple winters ago. And when you look at that photo and you look at the horizon to the west side of the of the bay, it's amazing. It's totally undeveloped. Like it's just farm field. And now there's a bunch of homes there and some businesses there. It kind of constitutes that west side kind of by where um, Blue Front Cafe and and west of there is located and in that photo it's just open field and it's kind of eye-opening to go wow this was really a small town yeah we've been kind of walking down memory lane a lot in the office recently uh rachel lucas our photographer went out and recreated a bunch of historic photos that bill tischler had taken Mm -hmm. showing door county how many years ago uh those were taken in 1974 and so almost 50 years ago and we're going to try and do a like a photo essay about that and just Put it in perspective for a lot of people because I think we we forget we have this vision of this idyllic version of Door County and, and in some ways it is in some ways it isn't when you look back. Yeah, it'll be cool for people to actually be able to see like when they talk about the good old days, what did those look like? Because we forget, like we have we have only the best memories get saved in our brain. Yeah, and to actually see them again and go, wow, okay, this is actually how different things are. I think it's also funny that Bill went out and took the photos on the like worst day possible where everything's wet (laughs) and it's like the end of fall. So trees are dead and it's like, it kind of kills the roads tinted glasses a little bit. Well, and you know what? And some people might look at it that way, but that is what we mostly live with in you think of Door County, you get these beautiful five months of like June through October. You see what we advertise. Maybe mid May through mid October. That's five months. The other seven months are a lot more of that, you know, hopefully we get a good winter when you get like the beautiful winter landscape that usually lasts maybe two months. Maybe we get a third if we're lucky. But then the other four of those months are March and April, which are miserable. First part of May, which can still be the random snowfall. December, which now we often don't get snow. It's just gray and dead. And then November, which can be a little hit or miss. So like most of our year as residents here is more like what is actually probably worse than what Bill took photos of at that time. So when you think of like what your town is, you got to like, oh, this is it's not always that best day in the middle of July. That's not maybe it is for the visitors, but for the rest of us. Right. It's a different experience. One last thing I wanted to chat with you about today, Miles, is uh, kind of an in memoriam that Patty Williamson put together on Franny Dickinson, who was an artist. Uh, We featured her in the Door County Living magazine, I believe, in 2011. Uh, And she just passed away recently. So Patty put together kind of a, a piece encapsulating her life. And it was really kind of a wonderful look at how she was regarded from the people close to her. It was really cool. Patty did a great job talking to a bunch of people for this and hearing from her contemporaries and then like that next generation of artists who Franny inspired all the way to the end. You know, she, I didn't know her uh, very well, only met her once, but there were like so many people just talk about the energy that she brought and that infectious like curiosity that she had both like for art and for inspiring other artists, but like even in their, her political life and her, her life as a member of the community. And even after she moved into Scandia Village, continued to nurture that, that stuff throughout right. the end of her life. So Her sense of fashion. Yeah. I remember being called out as just always bright and colorful and whimsical. 
on top of the fact that just being a fantastic artist and another one of those members of, it seems like we're talking about these people every couple of months now passing, but that kind of golden generation of artists who created, you know, the art scene that we write about every week in the pulse, like that wasn't always there. We take it for granted now, but there was a generation that made that possible, that carved out in this rural outpost of of Wisconsin, where there weren't galleries everywhere. This wasn't a place where people said, oh, you go there for art. They made it that place. And she's one of those people. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it seems like we're losing those people every year, more and mm-hmm. more of them. I, th- I think three this year that we've covered in a major way. Yeah. Franny, Karsten Tuppelman, and Bill Gunzel all passed away this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm glad that we've been able to collect as many stories as we have about these people, but, you know, we, we may have to look and see what other stories we still need to gather before yeah. it's too late. And there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Like I mentioned earlier, we put out a couple different magazines, a couple different papers all at the same time. So now we're jumping into the next one and even more news and events for people to check out. So I uh, hope you enjoy your upcoming Veterans Day and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.